We'd like to welcome those who are worshipping with us through LiveGate Outreach TV and also those who are listening to this by podcasts on Buzzsprouts or on iTunes. I want you to know that God is reaching you right where you are every time you hear these messages. The same spirit that the Lord made available for here physically in the building will continue to reach you where you are. Thank you for the testimonies that you send in from time to time. We are truly blessed by them. And we pray that the Lord will continue to establish you in all your ways. In Jesus' name. We want to thank God for this series on enjoying divine intervention. We have had quite a number of topics. Uh, This is the fourth of them in this series. We will be having, it's a series of five topics. And uh, by the special grace of God, we started by looking at the victory immediately on Resurrection Sunday. We started by looking at the victory by the blood of Jesus And then we looked at victory over fear a couple of weeks ago. And last Sunday, it was victory over shame. These messages have all been uploaded on both LiveGate Outreach TV and on the audio channels. So please avail yourself of them. Share them with people uh, that you know can be blessed by them. And um, let us continue to trust God for victory indeed. Hallelujah. Today we'll be looking at victory over lack. Victory over lack. And um, I believe very strongly that everyone here understands that one of the things that Jesus came to do is to deliver us from lack. Lack is a demonic spirit. It's not godly. It's not of God. There is no way we can explain lack as anything to do with God. Lack is simply defined as a state of being without, without something. Many times we always think of being without money because that is one of the things that when we are without, it can actually be a state of lack. It is one of the things, but it's not the only thing. Lack simply means not having the thing that you ought to have, whatever that thing may be. This can be money, it can be peace, it can be joy. People can lack peace. Even though Jesus said, my peace, I live with you, not the type that the world gives. So if somebody does not have that peace, that simply means they have been robbed of the peace that Christ has already given. People may lack joy and uh, they, they may not be able to actually have the things that uh, are tantamount to joy in their lives. People may lack good health and every other good thing, everything God has given to us to enjoy this life is such that we can serve him so that we can live life fulfilled and also serve him and also be a blessing to others. You see, the Bible says we are the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. That simply means that there is a light that we have that must shine to other people. But if believers are denied of the privilege to be able to share that light to others, then the world has no hope. So this is why the devil does anything he can do to make sure that we are robbed. Jesus said the enemy has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He does not want you and I to live in the abundance of the provisions that God has already made for us. And so we must understand, we must live out of uh, knowledge to overcome every ignorance in the area of the lack that the enemy will want us to walk in. Now I want to say very emphatically that lack is not the absence of wants. In fact, lack and want almost are the same thing. There is a difference between what we want and, a, and what we need. Lack 
is the absence of what we need. That is why you will never see in scripture God saying that I will satisfy your wants. God will always say I will provide for all your need. Everything that you need is what God is committed to supplying. So when Jesus gave us victory, he gave us victory over every lack of the things that we need. God's promise is to meet our needs. And this is very important. I will just read some scriptures to help us to get into this message. And then I will share some principles that over the years God has helped me to test. There is not... Uh, There are all scriptural principles, but they are based on my own personal experience as how God has helped me to continue to overcome lack in my own life. And I believe, God, that it will also be a blessing to you this morning. Amen. Now, we read from Deuteronomy chapter 8. We read the, the 20 verses in that verse, in that chapter. And this was when the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt And God was telling them where they were going. He said, I'm going to take you to a land. That land is going to be flowing with milk and honey. That land is going to have a lot of things. And uh, I want you to understand that in that land, I will give you a set of commandments. And you must obey those commandments. Because the thing that will enable you to continue to enjoy what I have in store for you is in, going to be in the place of your obeying those commandments. And so Deuteronomy chapter 8 is a catalog of the things that God said to them. The first thing was that he described the land to them. In verse 4, he said something. He reminded them that your garments when you were going through the wilderness, your garments did not wear out on you nor did your foot swell these 40 years. Your garments did not wear out. Just to remind them that I did it. You had nothing to do with the garments you were wearing, not wearing out. Nothing to do with your foot over swelling your shoes. 40 years. That is to reinforce the fact that he as the provider is the source of everything that we need. So that we do not ever think that whatever we have per time has come out of our effort. Even though we will work, even though we will do things, we will do business, we must realize that God is the one who supplies our need. Hallelujah. This is very basic for us to understand. And when God spoke to them, it's to remind them so that that can be in their mindset. But let's read from verse 7. Verse 7. Say, for the Lord your God is bringing you. Say, he's bringing me. Say, the Lord is bringing me. Into a good land. Now, begin to look at it. He said, a land of brooks of water. That talks about sustenance. Of fountains and springs. Now, fountains and springs talks about very clean water that nourishes life. He said, that is what I'm going to bring you into. He said, it flows out of valleys and hills. Praise the Lord. Verse 8 says, a land of wheat and barley. This talks about a land where you will have things that will give you energy. That will make you strong physically. He said, a land of vines and fig trees. Things that will nourish you. 
vines and fig trees, fruits that will give you nourishment in your own bodies. He said, I am bringing you into such a land. And a land of what? Olive oil and what? Honey. Olive oil and honey. Everywhere, every time you see olive oil in scriptures, it represents the anointing. A place where there will be spiritual energy for you every time. Thank you very much. A place where there will be spiritual energy for you every time. A place where the anointing will never run dry. And I saw a few things in scriptures that I'm going to share with you as we go on today. Honey talks about goodness. It talks about sweet. A land that will be full of joy for you. Hallelujah. In verse 9, he said, A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. A land in which you will have no need to think about supply. The word scarcity there means that you will, it will never be in short supply. And you said, in which you will also lack what? Nothing. He said, this is the land I'm bringing to you. And he said, it is also a land that the stones are iron and out of the hills you can dig copper. This talks about business. This talks about entrepreneurship. This talks about being able to have things in that land that will help you to be productive and that will help you to prosper by them. So the assurance of God about the land is a certainty. But he said, all I am asking from you is you must not forget. I am the one who gives you power to make this wealth. Praise the Lord. It's very important for us as Christians to understand that even though this seemingly was an Old Testament provision, we as believers must understand that what God was speaking to the children of Israel here is exactly what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to give us this land of plenty. He came to give us this land where we will lack nothing. Before he came, the psalmist prophesied in Psalm 34, Verse 9. He said, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want. There is no want to those who fear him. Verse 10. Let's read verse 10 together. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Any good thing. James 1.17 tells us every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither a shadow of turning. God's desire for you and I is that we never ever lack any good thing. So the lack that the children of God face is not of God. Anytime you and I lack anything, we are not in full uh, Benefit of the things that the Lord has already provided for us. Why am I saying this? Over the years, a lot of teachings, and erroneously so, have gone to add a lot of things to the, to the provisions of scripture. A lot of people confuse suffering, Christian suffering, and lack. A lot of people do not understand how to decipher what does affliction mean. That's why next week we'll look at affliction. What is the place of affliction in the life of a believer? 
and the things that God has already given us victory over. We have victory over fear. We have victory over shame. We have victory over lack. Hallelujah. But it takes understanding. Another scripture, Psalm 84 verse 11. It said, for the Lord God is a son and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Again, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Somebody say, no good thing. So if there is anything that is called good, I decree that it shall be your portion today. Anything that is called good, anything that is of God, that is to be your portion, your joy, your peace, your finances, the things that make importance in relational matters, especially in marriage, the peace in your home, the the Lord God Almighty, who is the supplier of that good thing, will cause you to walk in the fullness thereof. In the name of Jesus. God's ability to keep us above lack and want is expressed through his grace. His ability to keep us above lack and want is expressed through his grace. Many scriptures tell us about grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. He said, for by grace you have been saved. For by grace you have been delivered. The word saved, salvation, is sozo Greek, which means that you have been delivered. You have been given a new life of coming into new birth, physical healing, and deliverance from everything wicked that the enemy has put upon the world and on those who are yet to be saved. So, but the Bible says we access it by grace through faith. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8 is what I want us to all read together again today. Let's read together. It's on the screen. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Somebody say always. All sufficiency. All things. Say it again. Always. All sufficiency. All things. That means it is concerning time. It is concerning quality. And it is concerning quantity. Abundance that God has provided has to do with time. Always means there is no time that lack is permitted. He didn't say my God will sometimes supply the things. He said my God will cause you always to have all sufficiency, all capacity, every area that you need good. God said he will cause you by his grace to have always all sufficiency in all things. So that you can have an abundance for every good work. Why does God want you and I to enjoy all sufficiency? It's so that we are able to do the things that he has called us to do. Amen. A man who lacks joy can never ever impart joy to another person. A man who is not at peace can never ever bring peace to another person. 
That is why it is always advised if you go for marriage counseling, especially from somebody who is not yet, uh, who is not a Christian, you need to ask them what their own family life is like. It's interesting to note that there are a lot of marriage counselors today who have been divorced several times. And many people sit down to listen to them for counsel. If you don't have it, there is nothing you can give. (laughs) If you don't have it, you can't give it. The Bible says God's desire for you and I is that we always having all sufficiency in all things. Now, some of these scriptures, we say, but Pastor David, how, how can that be? How can that be? This is why we must understand the importance of the oil, the anointing. That is what makes the difference. The oil, the presence of God flowing through his grace is what makes us abound. That makes us have all sufficiency in all things for every good work. God's desire is that you and I are able to fulfill destiny. And I pray that he will continue to cause this grace to abound to us in the name of Jesus. I have taught you many times that all grace simply means that God is releasing grace in different dimensions. There is a grace that you need for different assignments in life. There is a grace for you to be a man, a proper man. There is a grace for you to be a woman, a proper woman. There is a grace for you to walk the walk that God has given to you. There is a grace for you to serve in the things of God, in ministry. There is a grace for you to manage your finances correctly. There is a grace for you to have the strength and discipline to be committed to good things. There is a grace for you to know how to relate with other people. There is a grace for you to know how to present yourself where you are invited to places that matter. There is a grace for you to know how to comport yourself with the people that you work with. There is a grace for almost everything that you can think about. That is why the Bible says God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Because the grace that you need is what will cause the sufficiency that is to yield from that relationship or that connection to come to pass. Hallelujah. My God will keep making all grace abound towards you. I say he will keep making all grace abound towards you. But the first three, the first four words in that verse is what we need to always remind ourselves and why we need to see our role in partaking of that grace. Let's read it together again. Just the first four words. And God is... Say it again. And God is... And... One more time. Always remind yourself that what what God said is that he is able... You see, that God is able does not automatically mean you and I would take delivery. I may be able to do something for you, but if I say to you, come to me tomorrow to collect it. Now, my ability, regardless, if you don't come for that thing, it has become impossible for me to do. With all my ability. How many people understand what I'm saying? So when the Bible says God is able, we must never forget. God truly is able, but the reality is that there are things that we must also do to connect to his ability. That light socket there is able to deliver electricity to charge my phone if my phone battery was dead. But if I don't take the charger, plug it to the phone and connect it to the source, despite the ability of that light socket to deliver electricity to charge my phone, my phone will remain uncharged. To even make it more graphic, if I connect it 
and it's there, and I have it to the phone. How many of you have done that before? And then you, you went to sleep, you did not switch it on. And then you woke up, the thing is still zero degrees, <laughs> zero percent. <laughs> and you are like, what? I thought I plugged this thing. Yes, you plugged it, but there's one little thing there called a switch. You need to put it on. If you don't put it on, despite the fact that you plugged it and everything looks okay, it still will not take delivery of the charge of electricity that is available in abundance. This is how it works in the spirit. God's ability is a guarantee. And that is why I said to you that God over the years has been teaching me from scripture and I'm still learning. But I want to share with you some things that are laws that I believe. I call them laws. Not from the legalistic point of view, but from things that I understand that I must practice to help me stay connected to the ability of God to supply all grace for all sufficiency for me. The first one, write it down, is what I call the law of faith. Say to your neighbor, the law of faith. You see, the law of faith is so important. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Your faith life must be active. Your faith life must be quick. Your faith life must be alive all the time. A believer cannot afford to live in any inch of unbelief. Your faith life, whether you are sleeping or you are awake or you are at work or you are flying or you are in driving or you are walking, every time the Bible says the just shall live by his faith. You breathe. The word live there is like breathing. You must breathe by faith. You must inhale, exhale the same way you value air. That is how faith must be prevalent in your life. Because the moment that God wants to move, when he cannot find faith, he is limited. Regardless of his ability. Anytime Paul, Jesus said that, nevertheless, when the Son of Man shall come again, will he find faith on the earth? Anytime he comes, he's looking for faith. He's looking for faith. Every time he looks at people, he will say, what can I do for you? Looking for faith. Do you believe that I can do this? Looking for faith. So we must understand that the law of faith, the Bible says that it is that the just shall live by his faith. He said the proud, the proud there regards, is referring also to the unbelief, the unbelievers. He said his soul is not upright in him. The word upright, if you go back to Psalm 84 verse 11, the Bible says the Lord God is a son and shield and he will give grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold from them that do what? Walk uprightly. The Bible says it is the proud that has the spirit that is not upright in them. The just must live by faith. So if you want to continue to enjoy the good things that God has promised to those who walk uprightly, you have to live by faith. Friends, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. We need to know how to develop godly perspectives. We need to know how to see things in the eyes of God. No one ever rises above what they can see. Faith is what changes our perspective. Every time God wants to do something to help you to overcome the lack of something, 
you must understand that the first thing you need to have in place is faith. Faith is your trading currency with God. Faith is your connection point to God. Anytime God finds faith, the Bible says even your salvation started by faith. The grace of God for salvation, I've explained this to you a few times. The grace of God for salvation, Titus 2.11, has appeared to all men. No doubt. But Ephesians 2.8 says that for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is your faith that connected you to the grace and you became saved. As many that are yet to express that faith are still unsaved. Even though the same grace is available. It works in every other aspect of salvation, not just about our new birth. If you want to keep being a person that overcomes lack, never stay in the realm of the physical. The more you fix your eyes on what you can see, the more you find it difficult to rise above that lack. You must know how to go into the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You must know how to read scriptures like Deuteronomy 8. You must know how to read scriptures like Philippians 4 and understand God's provision. 2 Corinthians 9 to understand God's provision for all sufficiency and see yourself walking in the abundance all the time. Whatever you can see is what you can take delivery of. Amen. You are here today because at some point in your mental being, you saw yourself in church. It's as simple as that. If you could not see yourself here, there is no way you can align yourself to conform to everything to get you here. The same way in, the, in, in your faith journey, you must continue to see God as the, the able God, God of all ability, who has given you all things. So we have to develop godly perspectives. Every time people see themselves in the limitations of the physical, they stay in that realm. You will not stay in that realm. I say you will not stay in that realm. In the name of Jesus. You need faith and you need to be talking it. Watch what you say. Never ever say I don't have money. Never ever let those words come out of your mouth. Never, never fight it like a plague. When your mouth wants to say, I don't, you keep quiet. Say, mm. <laughs> because what you say is what comes to pass. Now, am I asking you to lie? No. Just say the scripture, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches. If you don't have faith, just say the scriptures. Don't say, I don't have money. My bank account is empty. Those kind of words. Go write them down. Say, Lord, from today. All these kind of phrases. I command them out of my life. My, my things like I don't have, I lack, I can never become. Lord, I rebuke them from my language and I decree that they will no longer come out of my mouth in the name of Jesus. Say, but Pastor Dave, that is the reality now. If I don't have, should I say I have? That's not what I'm saying. When you cannot see it physically, see it spiritually and decree what God is saying spiritually. Amen. And it shall come to pass. I say it shall come to pass. So the law of faith is very important. Number two, the law of the seed. What I call the seed. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. The Bible says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. I've always explained to you that if you look at it, it didn't say seed time and harvest time. Because the important time is the seed time. Harvest is perpetual. There are, once you plant certain seeds, you reap the harvest for the rest of your life. 
How many of you have ever seen a tree that you planted and uh, the tree started bearing fruit? If you are old enough, and it started bearing fruit, and then you pluck the fruit this season, and then next year again the fruits are up there, and then it goes on like that. As long as you are there, that, that is exactly what he's saying. But there is a time that the seed had to be planted. So there is a seed time and there is harvest. If you want to overcome lack in your life, never play with the seed. There is a seed for everything you want to see. There is a seed. Don't always, like I said, don't always think about money. There is a way you sow a good seed into another marriage that causes you to enjoy the harvest of a peaceful marriage yourself. If you take time to look at people who need help in an area and you sow a seed of that help, God causes you to reap a harvest of the same. The Bible says, whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. Whatsoever, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6 and 7, whatsoever a man sows, that he will reap. Of course, if you take time to sow the seed of money, you will also always read money. Every time God asks you for a seed, Mike Murdock said, he has a harvest in mind. Check the entire scriptures. When God says to people, go and bring something, there is no, he's not looking at that thing he's asked them to bring. Rather, he's looking at what he wants to do. In 1 Kings chapter 17, the story of the widow of Zarephath comes to mind. Elijah said, go and cook for me. The woman said, I have very little flour and some little oil. Again, you can see the oil. Somebody say the oil. The oil always signifies the presence of God. Ironically, the same thing happened in 2 Kings chapter 4 when it was Elijah's turn, Elisha's turn with the, with the uh, Shunammite woman. There was also oil involved. So this lack is always talking about overcoming lack always has to do with doing what God says you should do but with the presence of God fully involved. The Bible says, the woman said, I have only little flour and oil. The man said, go and use it to cook for me. He said, go and use it to cook for me. He said, and after you have done that, feed your child, feed your family. And the Bible says, as the woman was doing it in obedience, God began to multiply the oil, multiply the oil, so much so that it was impossible for the devil to stop it from flowing until the, there were no more vessels. According to Second Kings chapter 4. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 10. Say, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through God. May you be enriched in everything. I say may you be enriched in everything. In the mighty name of Jesus. Liberality liberates you. When your hand is liberal, you will always enjoy abundance. The devil always tries to make you hold on to, hold on to, keep, keep, keep. Because of fear, insecurity. What if I give this? What will I eat? What will I do? What will, how will I live? Those are the devices of the devil. The Bible says there is he that scatters and yet he increases. But there is he that withholds more than is necessary and it only tends to poverty. We will not be poor. 
I say you will not be poor in the name of Jesus. The grace for liberality is so important that you must continue to pray for it. Look for an opportunity to sow a seed every time. Look for it. It doesn't always present itself. Look for it. A farmer looks for good ground and prepares it and then puts good seed in it so that there can be harvest. So you must look for it on a daily basis. Where can I sow a seed of prayer today? Where can I sow a seed of word of encouragement today? Where can I sow a seed of money today? Where can I sow a seed of peace into somebody's situation today? Where can I help somebody? What can I sow as a seed today that will help me continually in life? When you are doing like that, what you are doing is, verse 10, go back to verse 10. What you are doing is that you are using the seed that has been supplied to you as a sower. He said, he who supplies seed to the sower, you are the sower, you must continue to sow the seed. And the Lord will cause you to enjoy multiplication of harvest in the name of Jesus. I know that there are times it looks very difficult for us. But I want you to know that there is never anything too small to sow as a seed at any time. You just need to look for the opportunity. And God will continue to give it to you. I say, God will continue to give it to you. In the name of Jesus, be a blessing to the brethren. Be a blessing to your brothers and sisters. Be a blessing to your parents. Be a blessing to people. Don't, don't let the, the, the fear of what will happen ever hold you from sowing the seed. Hallelujah. The third one is what I call the law of righteous labor. I, intend, I coined those words. I've never seen it like that. I wanted to say the law of labor, then I remember that it's not every labor that is good. So I classify this as righteous labor. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the labor of the righteous man, the labor of a God-fearing man, not just the labor of anybody. The labor of a righteous man. You see, we must understand that as Christians and as people who have the fear of God, God has given us an opportunity to work. Work is not punishment. It is our opportunity to express our capabilities. And every time we work, we demonstrate the opportunity to be blessed. You see, income, money is not a magical thing. The, every time you add value, you will be paid. Every time you add value, you will be paid. So as a righteous child of God, pray to God and say, Lord, how can I add value? Do you know you can be like this on your bed? With, with an iPad on your bed in this day and age and just be punching things like this and money is going into your account? Do you know that? In this day and age, you just need the insight. You just need the insight. You can, you can do almost anything these days. You just need the insight. You will be adding value and I'm talking about legitimate good things. So if you want to overcome lack, this is one thing that believers don't teach much. We teach giving, we teach sowing, we teach sacrifice offering and those things which are all good. But the law of righteous work is so important. There is a way you work that God blesses and blesses it even beyond your input. This is what makes the difference. The Bible says in, in I've just read that verse now. Ecclesiastes, I want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 15. He said, the labor of fools wearies them, for they do not know how. People who are foolish and without God will be laboring and laboring and laboring and hoping that things can work. But anyone who puts God first 
who seeks first the kingdom of God, God will give you ideas and things that will make you labor and not be weary. The Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. That's promotion. He said they shall run and not be weary. That is walking and not getting tired. They will do ministry. This ministry has been running for almost five years with systems. Systems, our invoicing system, the things that we use, a lot of the things. Those of you that attended workers training last uh, Saturday, two Saturdays ago, you remember how we met online by web conferencing. We use gadgets. We use things that help us. There was a day I landed in Sri Lanka and there was early morning prayer just about a month ago. Early morning prayer, Monday morning. And as soon as I landed there, was it mo- Friday morning? Sorry. Friday morning. And as soon as I landed there, I looked at the time. I saw that it will, at that place we were about five hours ahead. So that would just be about the time you guys were logging in. And as I logged in, I could hear everybody as if I was in the same spot I used to sit in my house to do my own conferencing. The world has changed. We can do much more if we use the wisdom of God. Praise the Lord. So we need to understand the principle of righteous labor. This is not just about walking and walking and ignoring God. This is about putting God first and allowing God to inspire us on things to do. So we need ideas of righteous labor that will help us to be able to run the work that God has given to us. And I believe that God will continue to help us. I say he will continue to help us in the name of Jesus. Let us not be like that foolish man in Mark chapter 8 verse 36. That Jesus said, for what profit will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Let's not walk like that. That man was without God. He was just amassing things for himself. And you say, I will say to myself, so relax, you have had enough. I'll pull down my band. Nothing to do with God. No regard for God. There is a lot of teaching going on now in our day and age, discouraging people about giving to church, especially paying off tithes and giving to the things of God. Let us be very careful of such things. Let us be very, very careful. The devil is very subtly looking for ways to rob believers. One of the things that has kept me 30 years by the grace of God next year in work life is the fact that I have always tithed. And I found that that principle has helped me to be a person who is connected to a covenant that has never failed me. I must continue to tell my brethren never ever to believe the lies of the devil. Praise the Lord. And if you are a pastor or a leader of a church abusing church funds, using it for your own personal self, you are the person causing the body of Christ problems. We have to desist from such things. It is not of God. Praise the Lord. Finally, the law of obedience. What's the first one? The law of what? You have forgotten already. The law of faith. Then the law of seed. The law of the seed. And then the law of righteous labor. And finally, the law of obedience. Somebody say the law of obedience. This one is very simple. Whatever God says to you to do, just do it. John chapter 2. Whatever God tells you to do, Don't be afraid. Just do it. Just be sure God is the one telling you to do it. And when you do it, you will see him move on your behalf. I say you will see him move on your behalf. The wedding was going to be an embarrassing situation of lack for them. The the wine was finishing and there was nothing they could do. They came to Jesus. They came to the mother of Jesus. And the woman said to them, verse 5, Whatever he says to you to do, just do it. The Bible says in verse 6, there were six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of Jews, containing 20 and 30 gallons apiece. 
Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim. Somebody said they obeyed. We know that that step of obedience that they made made sure that they were not embarrassed. God will ask you to do certain things from time to time. Some of it may not make sense. We're talking about wine being absent. Somebody's asking you to put water. How do you link it? But the one who has linked it and already turned it to wine in the spirit knows what he's asking you to do. All you need to do is to obey. Tell neighbor for me, keep obeying God. And you will never lack. Keep obeying his word. And you will always live in all sufficiency. In the name of Jesus. I want you to rise to your feet. And let's come in.